So America is the greatest country on earth. It's not because I truly believe that America is the greatest country on earth, but because America tells us every single day how great they are. They believe it. Now, I'm going to borrow a leaf from their page and I'm going to tell us about how great we are as a people, how caring, how loving, how much we are indeed our brothers and our sisters keepers. The whole aim of this podcast is to get us to see that, it's to get us to hear stories of unsung heroes and heroines who do just amazing things out of pocket to to make make people's lives better. This is people who are putting a sacrifice in on a daily basis. And they're usually doing this not looking for any accolades, just because they they just feel it in their heart to do this. Now I'm trying to get more of us to see how together we can change the narrative of of a nation, of a great nation, of a great people. And it's not to lambast or make anybody feel bad, but truly to make us feel good about ourselves. So I'm truly excited to bring to you the first season of This Nigerian Life. Enjoy it and um, please give us lots and lots of feedback on what you'd like to hear and the content we put forth. If it's not, just we just want feedback, positive or negative, let us know what you think you can always send us a voice note or you can actually shoot us a message directly to my page thank you for listening and i hope you enjoyed this first episode Welcome to this edition of This Nigerian Life. This is actually the premiere edition of This Nigerian Life. And today I have a truly special guest, Mo Ejeme. She is the founder of Oak Bridge Foundation. Welcome, Mo. Thank you. Thank you, Diko. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. Now, I didn't want to say too much about Oak Bridge because I, I thought it's always better to hear it from, you know, from the official person's mouth and not from my own side. <laughs> So I I, okay. want, I wanted you so I want you to just you know give us tell us about more and tell us about Oakbridge. Okay, uh, my full name on your more Angela Ejime. I'm a teacher and like I said the founder of Oakbridge Foundation. So Oakbridge Foundation provides free and quality education for out of school children and beyond just giving them basic education. We also like to expose them to experiences that expand and improve their worldview. You know, putting in them the inspiration that they also have in them um, the ability to solve problems, starting from their community and into the wider world. So in partnership with people, uh, we give basic education and we create learning experiences that inspire the children. Our vision is to raise well-rounded and resourceful children. So we're looking at children who do not only graduate with paper qualification, but would graduate with skills that can help them 
become um, dependent on themselves in the future. That's the summary of what Oakbridge is about. I think I think that's truly fantastic, and I actually like the vision that you have. I like the fact that you're not just focused on paper, which is what we tend to do generally um, as a people. Mm. But you're focused on actually mm. building people who are, are well-rounded, and I think that's fantastic. Yeah. So, how how did you get to the point where you decided I want to start an Oak Bridge? So, Oak Bridge started officially at the end of 2015, um, but I would say it has always been there as for me as a child, even though I didn't know the name and and the the scope and how wide it was going to be. And uh, we started in 2015 when I realized, okay, well, this is how I wanted to. Um, go about it. So I always had this vision of helping children access quality education. But for me, at first, I thought I would run a school that would give a percentage of the population scholarship and things like that. But that year, in 2015, I started to see that that it was more than that. It was time to personally go and start a project and start teaching those children who could not afford it. So I put in a resignation where I was working and then started to prepare for Opry to launch that year. But I always like to tell the story from, you know, back when I was a child, I went to a poorly funded That's school. Very, very important. So please, yeah. by all means, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. So I went to a poorly funded school, the kind of school where in some of my classes, I, I sat on stones or on planks you know of wood placed on stones when I mean, we had classes with you know drab walls you know overpopulated classes too many children in one class if i put it that way yeah. and no playground no playground equipment no proper toilets and things like that so those kinds of experiences made me know that children could have better irrespective of their socioeconomic status like the fact that your parents can't afford this as far as education is concerned should not be the reason why you can't experience it so at that age i started thinking i would like to create a bridge between children like me and these experiences that make um, education whole and exciting you know and inspiring and to add to that it wasn't just imaginary I had been to maybe schools of other friends. Maybe there was a time I went on their inter-house sports and I went to their classes. I saw their playground equipment. I saw the colors. I, it just, I just knew that there was more. And that one day I would like to do something, you know, to add to it. I had um, also become really close with people in humanitarian NGO services. So all of that kind of tailored my mindset towards the fact that one day I would stop this problem. Yes, I thought about building libraries and things like that at that um, in secondary school, but it didn't end up happening, even though I volunteered at different points to help out. But in 2015, mm -hmm. Oak Bridge finally started. Uh, another thing, sorry, let me not forget this part because it was also part of it. In wow. my late teens, into my 20s, when I'm traveling um, across states, mm -hmm. I would see children in those rural communities walking you know very long distances to yes, school. Of course. and you know i would relate the distances they walk to school to the kind of environments they will end up in as a class 
and maybe the kind of teachers if the teachers were the kind that were had not been paid for months and um, unmotivated or could transfer aggression it made me feel the pain of those children i was in a school that was in a state capital and it was poorly funded so i was imagining the extent of um uh low quality yes. that these children would be getting that means they would probably be sitting on bare floors too or you know with too many children in one class and things like mm. all of that added up to tell me that one day i would like to do something not world over but wherever i was yeah. i would start something no i was going to say so go ahead. fascinating that you know at, at such a young age you you were so aware of your surroundings and you know mm-hmm. it's it's amazing i think people just have very interesting um experiences in life i mean because at such a young age you were aware that mm-hmm. you wanted to do something very different from what from what you were experiencing yes. and mm-hmm. i think it's even it's even more um i don't want to say uh, amazing but for lack of a better word <laughs> amazing that you you know, coming from that sort of background, which by any means, mm-hmm. as I said, people will say, oh, woe is me. I've, I've mm-hmm. been terrible, uh, you know, I've got a terrible primary education and my life is, you know, it's not going to be great because X of X, Y, Z. But you've sort of gone mm-hmm. from that to creating this Oak Bridge amazing um, institution <laughs> and, you know, as you say, 2015. So, mm-hmm. go on, go on from here. 2015. <laughs> yes, I wish I could say exactly where all the inspiration came from that yeah. age, yeah. but I can't really tell all of it. But in 2015, when I started feeling the urge that okay, it was time to leave where I was teaching to start this project, I I did like a, a survey or a research in four different locations in a community in a community called Papi with a team member and uh, on the final day when my heart connected to this community where we are called Katampe One I had gone with an engineer who was there to help me you know translate to the native language for parents who couldn't speak Hausa or, or English I we and, had and, gone and what, on, is that, what is that language that they that they speak in um, Baggy, it's called Baggy. Baggy, okay, so that's indigenous. Baggy, that's Abuja. the local. They're the, they're the original, yes. they are Aboriginal Abuja people. Yes. 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 Okay. So we had gone on a school day. We had gone on a school day so that, you know, most of the ones who were actually in school would be in school so that we could reduce the number of, you know, people that, down to the focus that we were there for. And I met this little girl whose name is Happiness. Um, and said hello. She didn't respond. At that time, I thought she didn't respond because maybe she was taught not to talk to strangers. But thinking back now, I realized that it's because she couldn't speak English. So I told the guy to just go with uh, me behind her. Let's just walk behind her to the house she was headed, then talk to her family. Uh, when we got there, uh, we spoke to her grandparents, asked why she was not in school. They said, well, they can't you know, afford it. So they the other siblings, uh, her siblings her were in school, but they can't afford hers for now. So I said, okay, so we're coming to this community to give free education to children who are out of school. We only require you to make sure they come out at the right time and on the right days, you know, for the classes. 
But um, at that time, I was thinking, okay, start alone since I was a teacher until other people can join in. So I started three times a week. And then instead of waiting to maybe rent a place or partner with a church in the community, I decided to start with that one child in her compound. Because sometimes waiting for all the resources has a way of prolonging the time. So I decided, okay, start where you are right now with what you have. I had the basics. I had the training as a teacher and I could afford basic phonics and math textbooks to start with her. So I was teaching her in her compound. We used to sit on mortars and stools Mm -hmm. to have our sessions. And because she had not been to school in a while, she also had a mixed reaction. She was excited to be getting, you know, special uh, attention. She was also feeling like I was intruding in her you know, playtime because not going to school means you can play endlessly. <laughs> yes, but it was really exciting starting with her. It was, it was inspiring. It was part of my push because literally I saw someone who really needed it. It wasn't just that she she was not going to school. She couldn't even communicate in English. So for me, that was like the best foundation that Oakbridge could have. And that's how we started. Um, a few months down the line, we rented a small space. Uh, a friend of mine and I paid for that space. And she and I were, um, happiness and I started to continue our sessions. And then it was now open for other children to come in. So because it's a small community, word goes around easily. So the children I admitted after her were children who were told that this is what's going on over there you should go and talk to them and see if you'll be admitted was there resistance from the community or were you welcomed with open arms when you sort of came into katampe one to say i'm going to start teaching your kids who can't afford to go to school okay no there wasn't i what i did was after that first and visited with the young man i went to the chief's house the chief's house is just i just sent happiness house so I went to his house, explained why I was there, and he said, in Hausa, he said, Chigaba, which means go ahead. Like, I, I don't have anything, like, what you're doing is really good, but I don't understand why you're saying you don't want to take money for it. Are you not going to feed? Are you not going to take care of yourself? And things like that. I said, don't, don't worry about the rest of it. I just need your consent. And he gave his consent. And like I was saying about those children, it was community members who referred them to us. Now, I think starting with Happy was also a blessing since she's an indigene. Her grandfather, she lives with her grandparents. Her grandfather is um, an elderly person that was respected in the area. So I think if thinking back on it now, those um, aspects made it you know, easy for people to trust me and you know, believe in what I was doing. I think to some extent also genuineness, when people can see like where you're speaking from it mm. tends to also affect the way they receive you you know even though there's a lot of um doubts going around when it comes to free services but it was good at the start now they, they embraced me but it did not include giving me a <laughs> uh, free space or giving me that space for you know giving me that space for free or <laughs> any of those things no they just said yeah it's just you're welcome in fact that space, that first space we rented belongs yeah. to Happiness Grandfather. Okay. And in the third year, I think, or second year, he was coming to say, I want to increase the rent. <laughs> Let's wow. leave that for another day. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. So, so what happened? So with Happiness, she started with Happiness three mm-hmm. years ago. 
So where are you today? What's going on? Tell, tell us what's happening today. How have you grown over the last three years? That's okay. What's Okay, so the first year was basic math and English. and uh, It was the mixed classroom of ages nine, seven, four, and five. It was a mixed group. Um, but then it grew. The second year, we became 10. The next year, we became 17. Next year, 39. And then last year, 2019, September, we became 50. We now had 50 children because by 2018 we had gone on from that small space which we had even extended with something called bacha and now moved into a two-bedroom space that could take more children so so we moved from just teaching basic phonics and math to um, the entire nigerian curriculum and then in the process we started partnerships with companies um, in sports and, um, swimming soccer dance and then music also to give free services to our children so those were like extracurricular services that they were wow. receiving in the school um 2019 we switched curriculum into like a more like an international one that that gave them a richer content of um, nigerian education and an international education since we're trying to expand their worldview it's only proper to educate them on things that are happening geographically and culturally in different locations and in, even in relation to innovations and all of that in other countries so we improved the curriculum to become an international one so that's where we are now wow. and most recently we entered this partnership with a school called charter school in in the uk uh, it was kind it was sort of interrupted by COVID-19 um, lockdown but that partnership was supposed to afford the children in Nigeria in my school and the children in that school in the UK yes. the opportunity to share stories to talk about the things that their cultures had in common the things their communities had in common and the differences it was supposed to help them appreciate where they come from and share ideas so we're supposed to do joint projects where our children will do research work their children will do research work and then we will also come together and make the you know, presentation of our findings. One starting from our environment down to how um, refugees can posit positively impact their community and things like that. So all these experiences are experiences that we help our children to begin to develop a sense of problem solving. Um, last year, August, also, we involved them in a community project where it, it, that, that project is called Read, Reading Improvement Drive, where we um, put together children between primary three and five who could not read in public school to come and receive free phonics classes. Now, to help our children know that this was their project, to give them a sense of ownership, we let them start the project from the scratch with us, from the brainstorming to okay. bringing in the beneficiaries of the project to deciding what materials to use for the sessions. They were part of every process down to the execution when the classes were holding. A teacher would come and introduce um, the, the sounds the first few days and the following days we put children in different um, um, allocated times to come up and take sessions so our children were now teaching children from other schools who could not yet read now this, most of these 
few children were children who could hardly speak any English when they came, but they were now standing, you know, and teaching other people. So they 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 went through the entire process. It gave them a different kind of feeling, and you know, a sense of. One of them said she looks forward to the next project, which was supposed to be this August, but okay, because of the situation, we haven't done it. Um, another one was a uh, a drainage project. Also, they okay. started out by sensitizing the community members, telling them why we have flooding in the communities because no proper drainage system and even when there were drainages the the, um, community members were dumping refuse in some of those drainages so showing them that they are part of the problem and showing them the solution to those problems and after that they were also part of the digging process of a drainage across um, our school the third project we did was with another um, NGO in Abuja. It was a health campaign, it was a malaria campaign. Okay. So the children were also involved from the scratch to the execution. And on that day, they did um, a telling the community members about um, 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 how to keep the environment clean, how to not self-medicate, how to... Uh, proper nutrition and things like that. So those are experiences that we expose them to, to let them see that they're not just receivers, but they have things you know, to give back to the community. It's something we're going to see the effect years to come, but we're making you know, the investments starting now. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's, yeah. it's, you know, these projects you're doing, especially learning about the drainage, what causes that to be blocked, you know, hopefully they can tell parents don't don't put the, the trash in the in the drain, but rather let's mm-hmm. properly. Um, malaria is a big one. Malaria, you know, too many of us in Nigeria we self medicate with malaria. You know, we are mm-hmm. the biggest malaria country in the world. I think a quarter mm-hmm. of malaria cases globally happen right here in Nigeria. So this is great education. But oh, sure. I have to ask you this question. You know, you left this teaching job in a really good school out there in Maytama and all I've all I've heard you talk about up until this point is free this free that free this free that now how are you able to how have you been funding all of this and how are you able to sustain the funding of what it is you're starting over it okay so um, from the start of Obridge, as much as I knew about international funding and things like that, I had this strong you know, passion for community effort. That means people getting involved in the project, donating, um, coming to volunteer their time to teach and things like that. So it started out as reaching out to people, reaching out to friends to, to donate materials. And then as we grew, and we started needing more than just teaching resources. We started needing money to pay teachers. We started calling for funds. So most of our funds so far have come from friends and friends of friends, people who have seen us on social media and you know felt connected to the work and contacted us. That's how we've been funding. Even companies who we've been in partnership with all came through friends. That's how we've been funding. Um, to do something a little more sustainable, we started something, um, a project called Oak Clicks. It's a group of people who donate a minimum of a thousand naira every month towards the payment of salaries for teachers. So that's the main aim for Oak Clicks. But Oak Clicks also can meet other needs in Oak Bridge beyond teachers' salaries. So those are strategies we have used, you know, to 
fund and to sustain oh, fantastic. the project up until this point, yes. Great. Great. No, I'm really glad that you uh, you're also reaching out to international agencies and trying to get funding, mm-hmm. grants and stuff like that. Um, yes. What you know, I hate I hate to compare, but I want to sort of like get a sense from you, like mm-hmm. what has been the one of the key differences that you've seen between your previous job teaching in Maitama and you know starting Oakbridge in terms of the kids. What has been the overriding things that you've seen are the differences and what how can we bridge those differences to make it um okay you know make these kids even more successful at book bridge mm-hmm. well one of the biggest of course is um nutrition okay the kinds of food they eat now we're not even talking about kinds of food we're talking about children who even come to school without any meal in their stomach or some of them come with at most they have just drank a cup of pap and that's it for that day. Yeah. You know, so one of the difference I see is nutrition. Nutrition has a very key role in mental alertness and creativity for children. Those that gap is really wide. A child who has eaten well may has the tendency to pay more attention, to be to participate, participate better in classroom interactions than a child who is thinking of their belly. Yeah. Um, another thing is. Um, resources that they are you know exposed to there's something called previous knowledge more than before education is making use of children's um cultural background family background you know to move them into learning new concepts connecting it to things they already know from home uh so we use their immediate environment to teach them but i found out that the fact that some of them have not been exposed to um, maybe sounds, um, TV, children's TV programs, all those things that prepare those um, more privileged children before they come to school. When they don't have those backgrounds, it makes it difficult for you. You have to go very deep into the foundation, you know, to start to teach them. You know, I would take example of my friends when their children were two, three, they're already um, playing um, with their tablets, games yeah, on their tablets. They can go to YouTube. Yes, they can go to YouTube, access educational um, resources, things like that, make transition from home to school easier, and then interaction with teacher and pupil easier. But because these children don't have these things starting from their homes, some of these things are, you know, are difficult. Then going back to, you know, parents who are not educated. So at the beginning, it was difficult to give them take-home projects and assignments to do because they didn't have any adult um, help, someone who could, you know, help them do certain kind of things. Even harder was when we now switched to international education. But because of the foundation we had built for some of them, it has become better for them to handle those things. So nutrition, um, home background, and then parents' um, um, educational status are some of the things that, you know, you can see as the gaps and of course let's not go too much into you know the mental effect of the kind of environments they sleep in the kind of environments they live in mm-hmm. you know it affects it, it takes a while to pull somebody out of something into something better it takes a while because they, they they're used to this life where 
it just happens life comes as it comes yes. you know and you're telling them there's something different there's something better there's something called washing your hands there's something called sneezing into your elbow there's something called um you know not picking your well a lot of children have that challenge of picking their nose but you know yeah. when you try to expose them to these things they are not used to it takes yeah. time it takes showing them videos showing them examples going to places meeting people to help them see that okay there's something better so yeah those, those are the gaps if Wow. Wow. So tell, tell me, how, how has COVID affected you guys and, you know, how are you combating what COVID <laughs> sort of done, you know? I like the choice of word combating because uh, COVID just it came as a challenge that looks like it had, you know, overpowered us, but it actually came as something that empowered us eventually. When it started, we were, we're not quite prepared for remote learning. So what we did was to give the children weekly worksheets activity packs so they come they come every friday to pick up and drop off worksheets so their parents come pick up new worksheets and then drop off the worksheets from last week that was you know what we're doing at the beginning and then eventually as the lockdown kept extending we realized that that wasn't sufficient in the sense that we wanted learning to become more interactive so we came up with the idea of um loading tablets with pre-recorded lessons to be played in the homes of these children so schools are not allowed to open but we can take schools to their homes so but we do not want to make it so expensive that we have to use data so we decided that okay teachers will record the lessons and then have them played for the children at home so we partnered with their families you know we said we need your homes so if you're in a group of three to five you pick a home that we would um, meet at and then you pick a supervisor or two as a family member who has basic um, secondary education to supervise the sessions in your home. You would also provide um, soap and water. We would help you if necessary. But these are the things you would do. So that was our partnership with them. So these sessions hold in their homes now. That's how we are dealing with COVID. Because of because of these sessions, they were able to revise their um, second term work and they were able to write the exams that they that was pending okay. you know, in in March. And we have moved on to learning new content. We've also partnered with different teachers in, you know, top, you know, top schools in Abuja, teachers in arts, in French, in music, um, dance and um, computer programming to say also record lessons and then send to us so that we can expand these um, content. Because we started with math, English, science and phonics, which we consider as the basic things. But as time went on, we decided, okay, we should increase the experience, make it more exciting for them to want to come. You know, and that's how we've been, you know, we have... Uh, well, that's, that's, that's awesome. Um, so, you know, COVID challenge. before I sort of like, you know, get a roundup from you, how have you guys mm. gone about recruiting teachers and, and how have you managed to keep the quality of your teachers high? Okay. Uh, well, we we it's, the basic is that you should have at least have NCE or a BSc. That's the basic, and then we look out for passion and interest in education. We also make our interviews practical and you know conversation based, so that we can really see what these teachers are interested in. So when you come for an interview, we let you hold a session. And then we also ask you how you would solve actual problems in class. 
you know not much to be said about how many years you've been teaching or what you what you've got but what practically you can bring that's what we do we also um for um finance reasons pick teachers from uh, the immediate community so that we can skip the problem of commuting and things like that but when they come in with their basic knowledge we also improve their capacity we organize trainings for them we call professionals to train them we do in-house trainings we do research based kind of trainings where we we read a particular content and come together and review what we have read we most of our teachers have gone through the british council training for um for called connecting classroom now that training is not to turn your school to a british school no it's supposed to prepare teachers to help their children to be problem solvers help their children to be part of developing content for lessons help the children help learning to be learner centered that's the summary of it so these are the things we do to improve the quality of our teachers but like i said earlier we have partner partnership or volunteers from teachers from other schools so we also let them you know interact with our teachers you know to improve their quality of delivery and um, we'll be partnering with other schools within the city um for our teachers to interact with them share ideas share lesson plans and you know things like that and that's how it's been going fascinating stuff Momo. fascinating <laughs> stuff. i mean i think what you do is i mean you know what drew me to your story was just the, the whole thing from the beginning how you grew mm-hmm. up going to a school you know, you can you can take in a very different path but you chose mm-hmm. to go down this path and you know i think i've asked this question before and i'll ask you again mm-hmm. do you feel that this was your calling in life or do you sort of feel like this was a chance happening <laughs> okay straight to the answer is definitely a calling um it, okay i didn't mention earlier that when when i knew it was time to leave this school i was in i took time to pray and fast and you know ask god to paint the picture to me based on um the counsel a mentor gave me so i prayed about it now like i said every experience leading up to this point from my childhood is what came together to form oak bridge So I wouldn't look at things like that and just say it happened by chance. It's definitely a calling. It's definitely something I was designed for. Now I did not see the entire picture from the beginning, but I knew uh that it was supposed to make a difference and it's actually doing that. So it definitely is a calling. I've always known that everybody is called to live a life beyond themselves not it doesn't have to be you leaving your job to go and live for others but definitely doing something that impacts other people so and you it's the having a very very big impact on you know 50 children's lives right now in abuja and i know you have mm-hmm. plans to grow this even bigger um mm-hmm. and so before we go you know we've got about 2 yeah. minutes left do you just want to tell us how people can get in touch how they can help okay all right so our social media handle once you type at oak bridge foundation you find us facebook twitter instagram you will find us oak o a k bridge foundation you will find us our current project which is the digital learning project is uh we have a scale up plan to reach 
500, a minimum of 500 children in the community. So if you'd like to donate tablets or donate funds for recruitment of you know volunteers and whatever it is, or if you'd like to have access to our budget for the project, just go to our website, www.oakbridgefoundation.org. Uh, under our blog post, you'll see the details of this project and how you can get involved. If you're a graphics designer, a de business developer, if a friend teacher who would like to, you know, send those contents to be played during this session, you are all welcome. If you have any kind of idea that you know would expand this vision and move it forward, we are ready to have you. If you have contacts, on ideas on how to raise funds anything you know you can do to make this better Fantastic. please send us a dm on our social media when you go there you see a phone number to call or send a message to we're always ready to respond to your messages and we can't wait to start partnering with you to make this project become yeah. even bigger than what it is already okay so my final words i would like to start by saying thank you to everyone who has supported us who, who also has tuned in you know to listen to this story even though you know about it uh, we would also like to say i would like to say that the digital learning project which is going on for our 50 pupils also has a scale of plan to reach a minimum of 500 pupils in that community so if you'd like to donate for us to launch the next phase donate tablets or funds for um, payment to of stipends to volunteers and every other thing you can check our website www.oakbridgefoundation.org under our blog post you would see the details about the project and how you can make donations you can also check us on social media at oakbridge foundation once you type at oakbridge foundation we would pop up you can message us uh, via dm or make a call or sms to us and we'll respond to you promptly we also have oak clicks which i spoke about earlier it's at oak clicks clicks is spelled c-l-i-q-u-e-s follow the page join the whatsapp group if you want to receive monthly reminders um you can get that we're also want to have an expansion plan we want to build so that we can <clears throat> meet the requirement the government requirements for opening up schools so if you would like to join us in that development project if you're a builder an architect or if you would like to even donate materials for that building project you know reach out to us and we'll share the plan with you and see how we can work from there i look forward to hearing from you also we're looking for volunteers if you have if you're a teacher in any special subject and you also want to send in um, lessons for this digital project, you are very, very welcome to work with us. If you're a business developer, a uh, web develop developer, a designer, whatever services you know you can give to help this work move forward, please contact us and we'll be glad to work with you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Diko. Thank you, Moa. Thank you for all you do. Um, as you know, I'm a big fan of what you do at Oak Bridge and I wish you guys so much success. Um, you know I'm committed to helping you. with your process and see how far we can push you to the next level and all of you to Oakland. So thank, thank you, you for leading a group of amazing men and women who truly are bringing change to a community, to a city and to a country at large. Thank you thank and you thank so you for much. your time on the show. Thank you. Thank all you right. for having me. 
Okay, bye bye. Thank you for listening to this Nigerian Life with Deco. I truly hope you've enjoyed this last episode. Now, if you've enjoyed it, I urge you to please subscribe. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and your family. And I look forward to seeing you on the show next week again, where we shall have another really wonderful guest. Thank you. This is This Nigerian Life with Deco.